most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? <laughs> You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. Ooh, my goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon, joined by Samantha Praviti. And in this episode, we are going to do our quarterback and tight end stock watch. So we'll give you the guys at each position that we think are undervalued, according to early ADP, and those that we think are being overdrafted. Samantha, what's going on? Not much. Uh, I just found out that I might be going to Las Vegas for the draft. So I'm super excited about that. But otherwise, life has just been pretty normal, pretty quiet. Oh, I like it. Vegas for the draft. That'll be fun. You can uh, going to get any bets in. We have that uh, podcast <laughs> up with Scott Smith if you need some. Uh, so I, <laughs> yeah, maybe. I actually have never been to Vegas in like my adult life. What? Uh, yeah, I went as a child. Like what a great family vacation. <laughs> But yeah, I like went as a child and I barely remember it. Uh, and I went to Atlantic City actually for like the Super Bowl back in 2020. And that was like the first time I had been to like a casino as an adult. Oh, my God. Like there night and day is like it like the difference between Vegas and Atlantic City. I can't even use night and day or any of those. Cliches. <laughs> it's even bigger than that. Like, Atlantic, I mean, I don't know. Atlantic City to me was just depressing. Uh, I've been there a few times because I grew up in New York. But, um, you know, you're, you're going to enjoy Vegas and. Just like your childhood self, you may not remember it, but <laughs> <laughs> the important thing is that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So. I, I will say AC wasn't as described, I think. Yeah? You yeah. Liked, so wait, you liked AC? Okay, so I only, I went to a, a hotel or a casino that was kind of off the strip or whatever you call it. Um, so I think that that maybe kind of jaded my outlook on it because it was really nice and it was a little secluded. So mm-hmm. I didn't, I got to the hotel, didn't leave for like three days and um, didn't really experience like, I think the whole thing, but the hotel itself was very nice. So shout out to the Borgata. <laughs> I mean, I like hotels. I, I just don't like AC. Like. Hotels are great. <laughs> but all right, let's get into some news uh, before we get to the quarterbacks and tight ends. Uh, real quick, Samantha, wanted your thoughts on a signing that occurred uh, pretty recently uh, within the uh, last few hours. Sammy Watkins to the Green Bay Packers. Looks like it's going to be a one-year deal worth about $4 million. So nothing that suggests that they're going to lean on him for too much, but um, what are your initial thoughts here with Watkins teaming up with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I'm thinking that we'll probably get a three touchdown game out of him at some point and then never hear from him again. Uh, I guess it's just another Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Alan Lazard type guy. Um, I doubt that at his ripe age at this point, he's going to, you know, really make a huge dent in those, uh, the gap that uh, Devontae Adams has left here. So for now, I'm going to go with um, not fantasy relevant. Yeah, Watkins has been trending the wrong way. In terms of it, you mentioned his age. He's only 29. It feels like he's older than he really is. It does feel like he's over. over. (laughs) But that's because if you look at his games played um, after playing all 16 in his rookie year at age 21, 13, 8, 
15, 10, 14, 10, 13. So, it, you know, it, it never a full season out of him. His touchdowns uh, the last four years. And this is, you know, from joining up, you know, with Patrick Mahomes, three, three, two, one. So trending the wrong way uh, and with some pretty good quarterbacks these last four years. So, you know, I, I don't really know what you're going to get out of out of him at this age. I, I kind of think, like you said, he'll be uh, in that Lazard and uh, MVS range in terms of his production. I don't think he'll be anywhere close to Devontae Adams. I just don't think he can get open uh, at this stage of his career like like Adams could or even like Watkins could, you know, in his first few years. So um, still probably on the cusp of not even draftable at this point. I think we really have to see what the Packers do in the draft. You know, are they going to double up on wide receivers in the first round or, you know, early in the draft? Um, if they do that, then, you know, it really pushes them out. If they go into things and, and it's like Cobb, Lazard, and Watkins, you know, maybe a couple of games, maybe you can throw them on a couple of best ball teams. But uh, it doesn't look like something that really moves the needle fantasy-wise uh, in Green Bay. All right, let's get into uh, what we've been doing these last few weeks, which are looking at different positions and uh, taking a look at the early average draft position and guys that are – undervalued guys that are overvalued. We'll do quarterback and tight end today since uh, they go a little quicker than running back and wide receivers. So let's start with quarterback, Samantha. Who do you like uh, as some players that are going too low uh, for their early average draft position? Yeah, I would just like to say, for the record, you stole all the good ones. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but but uh, hey, you could you could steal back. You, I always kick it to you first. There's a reason for that. So no, you, I, it's a it's a dirty game out here on this Action Network Fantasy Flex <laughs> podcast, Samantha. So look, it's on me them. for being a procrastinator. So <laughs> I got to pick from the bottom of the barrel here. But uh, no, I. Uh, it's kind of started lower here. So I'm going to start with a Derek Carr at QB 17. So it's just like, he's a guy that kind of gets a little bit disrespected. I think uh, last two years, QB 13 and QB 12, partially a function of him staying healthier than a lot of the quarterbacks out there, you know, playing all 16 or 17 games. Um, but, it, you know, he had to deal with a lot last year, too. Let's give credit where credit's due. There were a lot of distractions with Gruden and Ruggs, and he uh, Ruggs obviously missed the latter half of the season. Darren Waller was injured for a lot of that year. He just got a paid a huge contract, three years, $121 million. This year, he's going to have Devontae Adams, Waller, hopefully, if he's healthy, Renfro, who definitely had a, a nice breakout season last year. So, and I think Adams is going to be a nice deep threat for him. Um, three of the last four seasons, he's had at least 1,370 receiving yards. So, that is going to be huge for him. So, at QB 17, I mean, it's not a huge diss or anything like that, but like I could see him definitely finishing inside the top 12, just barely, but inside it. Yeah. And, um, Actually, I'll let you go right into your let's go. Let's go all the year, guys, because they. I think there's a theme here um, with, with the guys you're going to talk about. So um, let's just go with, with yours, because like you said, mine are a little more cookie cutter anyway. So I, I want to spend some more time talking about the guys that, that you're going to bring up. Yeah, you're right. I probably did go with a little bit of a theme <laughs> here. But uh, next guy I'm going to go with is Tua uh, at QB 19. So here's the thing is that. Um, According to ADP, we've got uh, Waddle and Hill as top 10 receivers, but we've, we've then got Tua as QB 19. Also, Gasicki is a top 11 tight end, which I'll get into later. But if you actually believe that both of those guys are going to finish as top 10 receivers, like you've got to assume that Tua is doing a little better than QB 19. You know, he's been a little bit pedestrian in his first 
a couple of years in the league, but six top 14 finishes last year in 12 starts total, um, you know, were thrown out the game that he was injured in week two, but um, he can definitely get there. And now he's got that star power with Tyreek. So I'm hoping that, uh, you know, we see a little bit better from Tua. I just think like, you know, you can't assume that all those three guys are going to put up those huge numbers. And then Tua is just going to be a pedestrian QB two. And then my final guy is going to be Jameis Winston at QB 25. Um, hard to say what the Saints are going to look like at this point, but he was a QB 14 on a per game basis last year. What we saw of him looked good. The passing attempts were low. Yes, but it did seem like they were kind of trending upwards. Uh, it went from 20, 22, 21, 23, then 30 and 35, and then 10 in the week that he was injured. So that doesn't really count. But, you know, hopefully we're going to see a healthy Mike Thomas. Um, he was the wide receiver one in 2019. That's not a long time ago, 1700 receiving yards then. So he'll also hopefully have Kamara for a lot of the season. So I think QB 25 feels really low. I mean, that's going undrafted in, in, in most leagues of, um, regular leagues, leagues or whatnot. So you can get him pretty, pretty cheap at this point. And I think like if, you know, those guys and those weapons can stay healthy and if he can stay healthy, he's definitely putting up at least mid to high end QB two numbers. Yeah, and I really like the three guys that you mentioned because I think they all share something in common, and that is they all have an elite wide receiver. Um, Derek Carr, obviously, with Adams. Then you have Tua with Tyreek Hill, Jameis Winston with Michael Thomas. And yes, Michael Thomas is an elite receiver. He just you know, took some time off or, or whatever you want to call it uh, this last season. But if you look at, for example, uh, 2021, and we know it's going to be mostly – rushing quarterbacks that are going to take all the top spots in fantasy. But when you look at the other guys that snuck in to that top 12, one of them was Matthew Stafford. He had Cooper cup. You had Joe Burrow. He had Jamar chase and you had Kirk cousins and he had Justin Jefferson, right? So, you know, there's always going to be a couple of those spots, as you mentioned, kind of sneaking inside the top 12, probably at the lower half, but um, it's going to be the quarterbacks that have those elite weapons. And at fantasylabs.com, we have a, a correlations tool and we have data going all the way back to 2014 about the positional correlations uh, in terms of fantasy production and quarterback wide receiver one, 0.57. Uh, it's the highest on the board. Quarterback wide receiver two, 0.51. Quarterback tight end one, 0.51. So, you know, Wall uh, Carr has a tight end. You mentioned Gesicki's a pretty good one. Uh, for Tua. So um, these quarterbacks not only have that that wide receiver one correlation, but just in general, I think um, some pretty decent weapons and should outkick their their coverage, so to speak, and should outkick their ADP, even if they fall a little short of top 12. Uh, if you're drafting a best ball right now or anything, uh, I think those guys are um, all going to beat their ADP. So I like all three of them. And, and I think they share something important. Um, for me, I'm going with, you know, guys that are a little I think just undervalued based on their team switches. Um, and that's Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. Uh, Wilson's going as the quarterback 12 right now. His lowest finish in the last five years was QB 13 in terms of points per game. And that was last year. And that was when he really did not have a great season. It was up and down. He had a bunch of games where he was just abysmal uh, due to the finger injury that he suffered and came back too soon from. And I look at Denver and remember that like the first year Peyton Manning got there and they just went crazy. And I just don't know if they're going to, you know, even though they have a good defense and it seems on the surface, like 
hey, maybe it will be a lower volume pass offense. This is also the place where Russell Wilson essentially kind of, you know, like he was down to go to Denver and they may just say, hey, you know, no more like holding you back. Like we know what Pete Carroll did it to you in Seattle, you know, making you kind of be in a run heavy offense and not letting you cook. And they might just let Russ cook, you know, regardless, they do have enough talent at all the skill positions. He should have a better line than he's had in Seattle in the recent past as well. So uh, I just think there's a lot of upside taking him at essentially his floor um, that, that he's shown us over these last few years. And then Deshaun Watson, I mean, I know there's still some question marks, but especially, you know, in, in a format where like a best ball, you can draft two or even three quarterbacks. I, I think QB 14 is way too low for Watson. His four finishes in his, in his four pro seasons, QB one, QB four, QB four, QB six. And uh, you know, Go, now he's going as QB 14 due to some uncertainty, but that's how you win fantasy leagues. You take risks on guys uh, like a Deshaun Watson. And, you know, if he doesn't play, you eat that. But if he does play, I mean, you're getting you're getting a guy that could challenge for QB one overall um, just based on his talent level and the fact that he uh, can move around and, and scramble. So uh, those are the two guys. And I, I think I should mention an honorable mention to Tom Brady, who is still going at like QB 46 and like he sneaks by in some people's draft boards because he's not high enough on the list. So if you're drafting, you know, you're doing a weight on quarterback and you're like around QB 9, 10, Tom Brady might still not be on the list and you can kind of snag him. And remember, he finishes the QB two last year. I know he might not have some of the weapons this year, but, um, you know, bet against Tom Brady at your, at your own risk. So I uh, just thought I'd throw him in there as well. Yeah, I, I was totally baffled why Tom Brady was basically not showing up on the list. I didn't know if I had like some weird setting or something, but yeah, obviously he should be in that top 12. Uh, I, I don't know if there's just like maybe people thinking that he really retired and then like shut their brains off after that moment, yeah. but uh, for sure. Yeah. I'm not even like that concerned that he may not have Godwin for the first half of the season. He's definitely made do with a very underwhelming cast of receivers before. So that and Russell Wilson is definitely one of the ones that stood out. I felt like the top 12 otherwise was pretty solid. Mm -hmm. Like there, it wasn't like a ton of like snubs where someone is three spots off or anything like that. But Russell Wilson definitely feels uh, pretty undervalued here at QB 12. Um, I just don't think that Denver goes out there and does what they do and, you know, makes this blockbuster trade uh, for Russ just to go into that same role. All right. What about quarterbacks who are overvalued? Yeah. Let me kick it off with Trey Lance at QB eight. So I don't have anything against Trey Lance. I think he had two solid starts this year. Accuracy was definitely an issue for him. He did average 54 rushing yards per game. I think that's going to be the key to his success from a fantasy standpoint. Um, we do know that he is a very strong rusher. Um, but here's the thing. He is being drafted three spots ahead of Matt Stafford, four spots ahead of Russell Wilson. I just don't feel comfortable at this point taking him that high. Like he's right around that DAC range. And like, I would feel much more comfortable taking him in like the QB 12 to 14 ish range, if that makes sense. Um, I don't think it's like a huge, huge gap, but at that point, like that early in the rankings, it does feel like significant to me. Yeah, I I do agree with you on this because as much as we do want to target quarterbacks who give you that rushing ability, uh, there's obviously some uncertainty with Lance. The first bit of uncertainty being 
is he going to be the starter? I mean, as long as Jimmy G's on that roster, we really, it's not a guarantee. And, you know, there are whispers that, hey, if San Francisco has to go another year with Jimmy G, maybe they don't actually mind. So it's like, you know, not 100% here. Now, it's probably close because I think they were looking to do Jimmy G before the market kind of collapsed. And now we even have like another available quarterback in Mayfield. I don't think they anticipated that. But still, um, there is some uncertainty. There's also uncertainty, like you mentioned, just with the with the skill set beyond running the ball. Uh, so I look at Lance at QB8, and then – you could get Jalen Hurts after him. You could get Justin Fields after him. You could get, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Stafford. You could get Watson. You could get Wilson. All these other quarterbacks that that run or just ha- or just had better seasons um, that that we can kind of bank on and, and that have done it already in this league. Uh, so this is a big projection here, and I agree. I, I like drafting Lance. I think he should absolutely be, you know, one of the twelve quarterbacks drafted if we know he's going to start. But at this point. Now we're drafting him against the guys that are more established or have less uncertainty anyway. So um, I, I do think this is, this is a few spots too, too rich. Uh, I'll go with, uh, I'll go with Joe Burrow and, you know, he's kind of the sexy guy, you know, breaking into the top five. He's QB five on underdog right now, 57th overall. And as great as he is, I think, cause remember we have to go by the, first of all, you know, for anyone that's kind of new to the show, I think, you know, if, if you spend long enough in this industry, I think everyone kind of has a consensus that in the, there's more supply than demand at quarterback. So in general, the weight on quarterback strategy, weight round quarterback strategy is optimal, really, almost regardless of league type. Even if you're drafting in best ball, you're drafting two of them, whatever it is, even in a two quarterback league, you can kind of get two in the middle tier. So 57th overall, QB5 for Joe Burrow. Uh, I, I just think that's way too early. He was a quarterback 10 in points per game last year. But remember, he had three games of 400 plus yards. Now, as great as he is, and he could still be getting better and may very well be, that is still just a huge, you know, could be a huge outlier. You know, three 400 yard passing games to still finish, you know, in, in kind of like that quarterback 10 range. Um, he only had 118 rushing yards. And I think the line will be better this year. That, so that is, that's great for his passing. Yes. But he may have to scramble even less with, you know, less guys, you know, breaking into the interior and in his face, things like that. So I really don't know where the production is going to necessarily come from to, to vault him into this range over some of the more mobile quarterbacks. And that's really my issue. I think Joe Burrow in terms of passing, he could be right up there with anybody. He's shown that he's clutch. He's, you know, he's got everything you want as a passer, but I just don't see enough rushing ability. And I don't know if he can repeat the outliers, you know, even if, you know, the line is better and he's obviously year two with chase, um, you know, Higgins and all that. So uh, I, I just think that QB five is a little rich for, for Burrow. Um, and people are kind of going off the, the, the incredible playoff run and draft him a little too high. Yeah, this definitely feels like some recency bias. QB five feels like his ceiling. I mean, he did have three top five finishes to your point, but nine of 16 finishes outside the top 10. So it feels like that's more of the average and those others were kind of more of the outliers. So I, like I said, I just, I think it feels like a reach. I'd rather have Kyler Murray at QB six, even yeah. with maybe some uncertainty or Dak Prescott at QB seven um, or just wait longer to your point. Um, Absolutely. 
All right. My final guy that I'm going to say is a little overvalued. This isn't a huge one, but uh, Trevor Lawrence at QB 16. I mean, so many things happened last year. Uh, total bust for him. Uh, he ended up as QB 23, but coaching and injuries and everything like ETN ended up not playing the whole year. I, I if, if he's healthy, I think that that'll be an interesting connection because um, he'll definitely be very involved in that passing game. Um, it's just, I just don't feel comfortable maybe drafting him there. I think, I probably feel more comfortable taking him in the QB 20 range just because, you know, it is hard to go from that zero to hero in one year. Yeah. Lawrence, it's, it's a big question mark with him. You know, I think definitely, you know, after the mobile guys are done, um, you know, and, and that you, you have to start looking at guys like Trevor Lawrence, but I, I think some of the guys you mentioned earlier that are going later, like, like Tua and, and Derek Carr, you know, those are also, you know, even though they're not mobile, those are guys we've seen kind of sneak in there um, just because of the receiving talent there. Whereas Lawrence, as much as I like the Kirk move for, for Jacksonville and for Kirk, I, I don't know, if that really, you know, Lawrence is in a different league in terms of supporting cast, I guess, at this point in his career still. And I think that could still hold him back a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I definitely rather have Carr and Tua in that range. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm going to Aaron Rodgers with my second overvalued quarterback. He's going at quarterback nine right now, about 80th overall. Now, he was a quarterback six in points per game last year. So, um, you know, this is below what he did last year, but. He had Devontae Adams last year. And I think it's silly to expect Aaron Rodgers to be the same quarterback with, you know, as it stands, Lazard, Cobb, and Watkins as his top three. I'm, you know, you would think they're going to draft somebody, but even so, it's still oh, a rookie wide receiver. Um, Adams had 34% of Rodgers' yardage and touchdowns over the past two seasons. Uh, he's just so incredibly important. And he makes Lazard better. He makes Cobb better. He makes anyone on that field better. Tunyon, because Adams is, you know, drawing double teams on most plays, sometimes even triple teams, you know, depending on the type of coverage. So I, I do think it's going to hurt him a lot. He's still a great quarterback, but, you know, the loss of Adams. And then you're also remember Nathaniel Hackett is in Denver now with Russell Wilson. Uh, and he's the head coach there. So, I mean, you lose the top receiver in, in the game and uh, the offensive coordinator who, because remember, Rodgers was kind of, eh, he was meh for like a couple years in there. And then LaFleur came and Hackett came. And that's when Rodgers really turned it around and started getting back to MVP form. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, they were solely responsible. Obviously, Rodgers always had it in him. We've seen him do it before. But th those were the people who turned him around. And now you have your, your OC gone. You have your top receiver gone. And you're just getting up there in age as well. So there could be a, like a, a kind of more precipitous drop off with a guy like Rogers because the bar is set so high. And I kind of worry that this may be that, that year. So um, I think I, I would rather take, um, you know, Russ Watson, some of the guys who can move around um, over, over an Aaron Rodgers at this stage, you know, because I just don't see the, the receiving talent um, there for him to, to have another MVP caliber season. Yeah. I mean, not everyone can be Tom Brady and play until they're 45. He is. Yeah. 38 at this point. So, and it just has no one around him. So it's difficult to see a path there. Like, would you rather have Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? Yeah, it's not even close. I mean, Tom Brady, but let's be real. I mean, Tom Brady's probably in for a drop off this year too. But if you're comparing the two of them, just, you know, late career success, the thing about Brady last year, for example, QB two in points per game, who do you have? Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown for a 
you know, decent amount of games, Rob Gronkowski. So he's, he had like all, an all time great supporting cast. Aaron Rodgers, he had Devonte Adams. Devonte Adams was really that guy, you know, for Rodgers. And it, 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 it'd be silly to call Rodgers, you know, to disparage his name because he's obviously a great quarterback to do that with just one elite player. But at the same time, you've taken that player away. And so it's like Tom Brady still has Mike Evans. Like, you know what I mean? Like even if Gronk doesn't come back and God wins out and Brown is obviously gone, Tom Brady still has Mike Evans, whereas Rodgers doesn't have anyone close to that caliber of receiver. Like Russell Gage might be better than any of the receivers on the Packers right now. Yeah. I mean, I think Russell Gage is better than Cobb at this point. That would be the most one-to-one comparison. I think Evans and Lazard are are the closest comparison in terms of what they do. But yeah, it's, I mean, the cupboard, I mean, we're talking about Sammy Watkins maybe starting for a team in, in 2022. Uh, So yeah, not, not a good look for Rogers. Uh, Let's go to tight end. Who do you like as uh, undervalued at the tight end position? Yeah, I also went, uh, you know, dredging at the bottom of the barrel here for (laughs) for some guys. Uh, So we're going to start with Rob Gronkowski at tight end 23. Definitely some uncertainty if he plays, but he did say if he plays, it's going to be for the Bucs, which he obviously has great uh, chemistry with that whole team was tight end 10 last year, but tight end three on a per game basis behind Andrews and Kelsey. So he feels like a shoe in to be a top 12 guy. If he's going to be on the field, obviously that is somewhat of a gamble though at this point. So, but it, you know, I feel like if you're drafting now, you got to take some gambles, but uh, next guy I'm going to talk about is Robert Tunyon, a, another one of the lone pass catchers that we can like that we even know the names of on this Packers team, but not necessarily a sexy name. He is tight in 26 on underdog EDP, missed nine games last year with the torn ACL. So good chance he's going to miss some time early season. But was the tight end three in 2020 due in large part to like an explosion with touchdowns? Um, But, you know, we were drafting him as a top 12 guy last year. Uh, There's going to be less competition with Adams gone. So, I mean, tight end 26, you're really getting him pretty free at that point. Um, So just a a name worth throwing out there because Rogers has got to throw it to someone. Um, and then yeah. finally, the last guy I'm going to mention is just Albert O uh, at tight end 33. I mean, that's just free at that point. And it's just a guy that I feel like it's worth taking a shot on, right? Because Noah Fant's gone. They've got an extremely upgraded offense. I feel like he could definitely be a very solid tight end to um, like a deeper league type guy um, and, a, and a good guy for, for best ball type formats. Yeah, Albert Okuwebunam. I mean, this guy may be more talented than Noah Fant. And like, that sounds blasphemous because, you know, you look at the draft capital of each of them and and Noah Fant was highly drafted. Alberto was a fourth round pick, but I I mean, I think that's part of the reason they were, they were willing to include Fant in in the deal is because I don't think they have any issue with Alberto. He kind of carved out a committee uh, role in that offense, even last year. Um, You know, his underlying metrics are, are very good. And uh, I think he'll benefit from a, you know, the upgraded quarterback. So I think he's like probably the most underrated tight end, to be honest with you. Like, I, I think he, you know, look at Fant the last two years, he was tight end 12 and tight end 14 in points per game and half PPR. Uh, I think Albert O could do that or better. And he's got a better quarterback. And now um, you can get him essentially, like you said, free. Like even if people are drafting three tight ends, most people, he probably won't get drafted because tight end 33 would mean like, you know, 10 people have to in the league out of 12 or so have to draft uh, three tight ends. So yeah, I, w- I would kind of just gobble him up 
as my number two tight end anywhere I could. He might even be starter worthy by the time it's all said and done. So uh, I really love that one. Uh, for me, I'm just go. I just got one. Uh, Zach Ertz, tight end, thirteen. Everyone's you know said Zach Ertz was washed, and in reality, Carson Wentz was washed. And um, we saw Zach Ertz, you know, kind of have a resurgence, even a little bit with Hertz last year. But especially when he went to the Cardinals, uh, he was a tight end four uh, at, from the trade to the end of the season. So from week seven on, and I know DeAndre Hopkins was, was out for some of that, but you look at the way Ertz produces at this stage and it's a lot of high volume reception games, you know, seven catches for 41 yards. So half PPR, full PPR, you're just not getting a tight end. That's going to get, you know, kind of command that kind of target share and be running routes at that level. You know, he was running routes, you know, 70, 80% of the time, uh, with the Cardinals. I think he's going to be out there doing the same thing this year. I know they just re-signed AJ Green, but we saw him kind of really fade down the stretch and um, was only a factor in a handful of games. So even if Hopkins is there gobbling up targets, I think, you know, obviously more will take a step forward, but Christian Kirk, who was really their true number two ride receiver, I, I think in terms of talent um, for much of the year and, and number one, when Hopkins went down, he's gone. So I think Ertz can still fill a pretty high volume role for that Cardinal offense that likes to open it up, spread you out and, and go at a fast tempo too. So um, I, I think he's likely to finish as a top 10 tight end once again. And it's just the age it's people are kind of overlooking him um, because of the age. Yeah. People are definitely overlooking him and they overlooked him last year as well. It, it was just a matter of like, I, I just, I wanted to see what he was going to do outside of that tight end committee that he was in for so long and um, with the Eagles and, you know, it, it, he was the more talented one, I think of that group. And he really did show what he could provide for a team once he ended up on the Cardinals. So I'm excited there, especially with some targets vacated by Kirk leaving. All right. Um, I have one overvalued tight end for you. And I already alluded to him that it's going to be Mike Gesicki at tight end 11. He was tight end 11 last year. Um, but, you know, he has this kind of late season drop off sort of issue that we've seen um, was tight end 18 from week eight onward and did not find the end zone in the final 10 games of the season. Not to mention that he's going to compete with Hill and Waddle for targets here on a team that's not necessarily the highest volume and doesn't have the highest octane quarterback. I mean, we'll see like what what happens with Tua this year, because I think that there's a lot of question marks. But um, Gesicki kind of feels like the guy that could hurt from this Hill acquisition the most. Um I, a lot of people seem to think that like Waddle was going to be knocked down a lot, but I guess ADP doesn't really reflect that. So um, to me, you know, like what I was talking about before with the two is stuff, like I, I just don't see it being realistic that he's going to have, you know, two top 10 receivers and a top 12 uh, tight end. So Kasiki feels like a little bit of a reach for me. Yeah. Like I think a guy like Zach Ertz is, I mean, similar, almost similar skill sets, you know, both guys can kind of wind up in the slot and, and do different things, but I would rather have Zach Ertz over Gasicki. And I mean, maybe even Okuwebunam, that just shows how undervalued he is. But, um, you know, at this point, I think Gasicki is just going to kind of be one of those many tight ends that, yeah, maybe he could be the tight end 11, but he could also be like the tight end 20. And there's no point in drafting him in this range when you can get uh, better value, you know, rounds later. So uh, I, I feel you on that one. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with Noah Fant. You know, you mentioned where Albert O is going and then Noah Fant, he's tight end 12 and ADP. He's in Seattle. They have no quarterback. If they do get a quarterback, it might be Baker Mayfield because I don't see Jimmy G being traded in a division. 
So, I mean, that's not really that exciting. He was tight end 14 in points per game last year. Um, and the quarterback might be the same. It might be Drew Locke again. So it's, you know, I, I don't see how Noah Fant really has upgraded in his situation. If anything, he's got more players, higher caliber players to compete with for targets in terms of Metcalf and Lockett, as much as, you know, I think Judy and Sutton are, are talented players. Um, you know, Metcalf and Lockett, obviously a step up in, in terms of, of caliber at, at the wide receiver position. You know, Noah fan, he's been, he's always been solid, but he's never been great. He's never topped 670 yards. He's never topped four touchdowns in a season. That touchdown number is crucial for tight ends, or at least the t- touchdown upside is crucial for tight ends because it's so unpredictable. A lot of tight ends are going to kind of cluster in that, you know, five, five to 700 yard range. But if you don't have that 10 touchdown upside, what are you really doing? I just don't see how Seattle gets that no matter who's that quarterback for them uh, in this upcoming season. So no offense. Uh, I would fade him and take, take my boy, Alberto, your boy was it 21 spots later. Yeah. I'll do that every day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's had 10 touchdowns in his three season career. So not super, super sexy there. As you mentioned, could be drew lock throwing to him again. It's, it's disappointing because obviously he has all like the measurables and like, he came out as just such an awesome prospect and uh, he's ridiculously athletic and all of that. Um, but the situation's never been great for him. And I just don't think this is better. So arguably worse. Um, so yeah, I'm not high on him at all. I think he definitely deserves to be outside of the top 12. Yeah. There's been a few guys like that where they've been like real exciting. They've been drafted high. I think like Evan Ingram comes to mind. Najoku, like he's like athletic types who we just think yeah. are going to, um, who is the guy with uh, a few, Oh, Eric Ebron, a little yeah. further back. It's like, it's like Perfect. some of them have it and some of them just don't. And you kind of know by now, like this is year four for Noah Fant. This isn't, we're not, he's not just like an exciting prospect. We can still quote his like combine metrics, like, right? you know, <laughs> we've seen him do it now for three years in the NFL. This is kind of what he, is no I was definitely thinking of Evan Ingram as a comparison here like similar type guy where you're like you just want him to succeed but you're thinking of his college performance but uh I was for a hot second thought that Kyle Pitts might be trending in the Noah Fant direction in the early season but I'm kind of glad that we're past that hopefully he doesn't get ruined by whatever the Falcons do this season with quarterback yeah I think Pitts really got hurt by the Ridley's like uh, you know kind of absence because it it turned Pitts into essentially like the number one priority for opposing defenses and you know that's that's tough for any receiver but that's especially tough for a rookie uh and especially at the tight end position which you know I know he played a lot of receiver as well but the tight end position is just notoriously difficult to pick up on so you're dealing with essentially playing two positions one of them extremely difficult and you're the number one priority of opposing defenses and your quarterback is like falling off a cliff. So, you know, it, it, was, it was a tough situation for Pitts. He's a, what the tight end three this year. So, I mean, you're not getting any type of discount with him either um, right now. Yeah, but, I was actually uh, <laughs> surprised that there wasn't too much of a discount there given sort of like the quarterback situation. Now, I think like a couple episodes ago, I, I may have talked about that, like Marcus Mariota and uh, Delaney Walker did have, a connection and you know Delaney Walker was a pro bowler during those years and everything so he may not kill Pitts's stock but maybe I feel a little shakier with him at tight end three yeah it's just you know you're and, and I think the one thing that 
early drafters do get right this time of year is kind of aggressively buying those like year two breakouts. And that's, that's essentially what you're buying right here. It's, is, is that, um, but, but I agree. I think, I think there are some question marks and, you know, would I gladly take George Kittle like later on over Kyle Pitts? Yes. Like, it's just, I feel like I'm just never going to get to draft Kyle Pitts. Like it's like, it's like last year he was overvalued and now he might be a little overvalued again. Um, I don't know yet. Like, it's, I, like it doesn't seem egregiously so, but there just, there are guys after him that it's like, you, you could see putting up better numbers. So it's tough. I took Pitts at 401 in that like tight end premium uh, Scott Fish mm-hmm. League. And I got roasted for that. I don't even think that that's that much of a reach for a tight end premium league, but what, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, George Kittle almost made it on this list because he's like, I think tight end five as slightly undervalued because I think I'd probably yeah. rather I'd take him at like as high as tight end three. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, you know, we'll obviously flesh these rankings out more as the as the offseason progresses and we'll have a little more clarity after the draft. And, you know, with with Kittle, I think the big question is, you know, is it indeed going to be Lance starting a quarterback? But yeah, as of right now, I mean, just when I see, um, you know, Pitts is the top tenant on the board, but then I see Kittle is ADP is like a round or two later. It's like, I'm not really taking pits. So that's, yeah, I feel you on that, but uh, that's, that's going to wrap it up for us. Quarterbacks, tight ends, overvalued, undervalued. I hope you guys got some good information out of this podcast. Uh, You of course can follow us on Twitter at Samantha NFL and at Chris Raybon, check out actionnetwork.com, download the award-winning action app, And please leave us a five-star rating or review on Apple or Spotify. Uh, Kerner and I uh, will probably be back next week doing some uh, draft stuff to get you ready for that. So stay tuned for that. And uh, until next time, let's get this money.